Caledonian McBrain and the Big Light present... Falja, I'm Cunyach MacLeod, the Hebridean Baker. Originally from the Isle of Lewis, I'm an author, TV presenter and travel blogger. I spend lots of time traveling around the world, discovering amazing places and the people who live there. But my favorite place is home, the Hebrides, making me your perfect guide to the very best things to do, see, eat and enjoy throughout the incredible islands on the west coast of Scotland. Welcome to Scottish Island Adventures. In this episode, we're hopping across the Firth of Clyde to one of Scotland's most accessible islands, Butte. Step on a Calmac ferry at Weems Bay, just south of Glasgow, and in no time you'll have sailed into Butte's picturesque port town of Rothsay. Famous as one of the main destinations for city folk going dun the water in the heydays of the Glasgow Fair holiday, the island is now experiencing a renaissance as a fabulous place for a great day out or a longer break. Coming up, I spend a fascinating afternoon visiting one of the grandest country manors in Scotland, Mount Stewart House. I toss a caber or two at the Butte Highland Games and I get a taste for the island's local produce at Butte Yard, a fabulous food and drink hub showcasing the very best artisan and craft fair the island has to offer. But first, it is my pleasure to introduce my guest for this episode, the wonderful Janice Forsyth, as well as being an award-winning broadcaster, journalist, and host of BBC Radio Scotland's The Afternoon Show, Janice chairs the board of the Rothsay Pavilion Charity. And I can't think of a better guest to join me in the studio today. Janice, how are you? I'm extremely well. All the better for seeing your lovely sonsy face. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> now, Janice, you have been heading doing the water for, for years. Yeah. What keeps taking you back to the island of Butte? Well, do you know what? I feel as if I've been on all sorts of journeys there because initially it was just that thing, Glasgow, working class family. You know, you didn't go abroad or anything like that back in those days. So I think I'm talking sort of like early 70s. Um, and I have such distinct memories because back then it was the place to go but before people were jetting off across the world. So I remember as you made your way down through the Weems Bay Station, it's the most beautiful station and incidentally still is well worth a visit. Um, it wins all sorts of awards all the time. But I remember so well because my dad was carrying the bags I remember looking at him thinking oh my goodness how's he managing to carry the bags and he was a wee girl you're just looking at your parents you're, it's such an adventure also I now look back and laugh because it seemed that we'd gone on a train journey for hours and of course it's just a couple of hours <laughs> to get from Glasgow Central Station to Weems Bay but yes it was just incredibly exciting and it was just what we always did but can I tell you, it got to a stage where you think, I wish I was going somewhere more exotic. So I kind of fell out of love with it in a okay. way, do you know what uh -huh. I mean? Which I think is quite natural. Um, but then what happens is fast forward a few years till you're kind of like slightly more grown up. And my goodness, it's the fabulous romantic thing to take your partner du jour. <laughs> <laughs> on on that ferry over to Rossi because actually that whole thing of the going on that sail uh, across to Butte 
is a beautiful thing. And it I, is. And I do, thinking back to my mum and dad, actually, I always remember my father as a working man saying that he could feel all the worries and the burdens of life just lifting from his shoulders as he went on that sail. And that has stayed with me. And I genuinely feel the same when I do that. And th- there was that phrase, as I said, doing the water. Yeah. I don't know if I can say it with a great Glasgow accent. You've but... done it very well, actually. You really <laughs> so, have. But what does that, what does that mean? Uh, yeah, for, for it's folk? a great phrase, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Doing the water. Uh, it has to be more of the water. Uh, <laughs> water, doing the water. Uh, yeah, it really just means that you're going down. So you're going down through that sort of whole Clyde estuary and over to, to the wonderful island of Butte on that sail. And there is something, let's face it, no matter, you, you've sailed to all sorts of places. There is something wonderful and glorious. And it doesn't matter where you're going to get on a boat. Getting on a boat. And go for a sail. You're absolutely right. It's the start of an experience or an adventure or yeah. you know you're doing something different when you're kind of heading on that boat. And, you know, it's a great island. There's so much so much to see. Oh, there is. There's so much. And that's the thing. Originally, we would just go to Rothsay. And I have to be honest, back then, I don't know if it's still the same, it was a wee stony beach you were on kind of like, all right, okay, this isn't so great. But later on, I, with my older brother, Roddy, we ended up doing some hitchhiking. Don't think we told our parents <laughs> we were doing it. And I remember being taken about a couple of really nice people picked us up and we went to Scalpsy Bay so that's another of my absolute favourite places to go you wouldn't believe it Kanye they have extraordinary it's a viewing point so you can see hundreds I mean hundreds of seals up on the rocks doing their seal thing and it's just the most beautiful thing you can go to a vantage point further up to look or you can just be on the beach so that was a revelation to find out having only been limited to the Rothsay Beach (laughs) for so many years as a wee one to find that there was a stunning beach with beautiful sand dunes so that's that is also a favourite of mine and Janice, there's a lot of grandeur to the buildings uh, on the island, isn't there? But they're everywhere. They're really quite extraordinary. They are. And have you been to Mount Stewart House? I have certainly been to Mount Stewart House. In fact, I was there very recently. I've been several times. It's absolutely stunning. And the most recent time I went, there was a wonderful thing. You could sit back and a strange kind of, I don't know if it was meant to be a bull or something. You could lie back on this kind of leather construction and just look up at the, the ceiling with all of the beautiful stars painted on it. It's mind-boggling Mount Stewart, it really is. Well, of all the stately homes in Scotland, and there's certainly no shortage, Mount Stewart House has got to be one of the most remarkable. The building itself, built in the Gothic Revival style, is a real feat of architectural prowess inside and out. I caught up with tour guide Margaret, whose intimate knowledge of its history, interiors and impact on Butte really brought home the significance of this magnificent estate. I'm at Mount Stewart House on the island of Butte and we've driven up the long winding road through the gardens and I'm just about to meet Margaret, who among other things does the tours and I can't wait to get inside. Margaret, what a welcome. Great to see you. And great to see you too. So, welcome to Mount Stewart. Thank you so much. So, Margaret, you're going to give us a wee uh, tour uh, of the house today. So, let's first walk up these dramatic steps. Walk up these stairs. I feel as if I have to introduce you to the third Marquis. Because, you know, this man was such a great philanthropist. And as we walk around the house, we're going to give you an idea of the calibre and the depth of this man you know, well, yeah, to build me. the house. This is the second building it stands in okay. the site. Because the first house was built round about 1719. 
and James Stewart, the second Earl, and his wife, Lady Anne Campbell, stayed in that as generations after them until 1877, that house caught fire, and the whole central block was destroyed and the two wings survived. Now, in 1877, we're in the time of the third Marquis, the man who built this house. And he had his own ideas of what he wanted to create because he was said to be one of the best amateur architects of his era. And he wanted to build something very different. When you come up these stairs and you stand here, you are looking into the heart of the house, uh -huh. which is a marble hall. The third mark was travelled through Europe and he got ideas from places he visited for the design of this house. Now, Margaret, your own story here as well is wonderful. You've been here a few years, is that I right? Have, yes. <laughs> I first came onto the island back in 1974 and just to experience living on the island and we thought, okay, we'll give it a year. And that's nearly 15 years ago and I'm still here. And I'm, I wouldn't be anywhere else. When, when you started at the house, what was the house like? Was it quite different? It was to a what living it home it when I, living home. because yeah. yes, he, at the time it was the sixth Marquis who was the head of the Stuarts then, and I worked for the sixth Marquis. And my position here was with the butler in the dining room. Wow. So it was my job to go into the silver safe, bring out the decoration, set the table, make up the linen napkins, and serve with the butler. And I did that for over 11 years. My goodness. Me being a Glaswegian, yes. you know, when I came into the house to work, I felt I was playing a part in a play. Because to me, you know, you're coming from Glasgow, 10 minutes in Glasgow, <laughs> and then you come here. And then when I left the house after working for a day, I, I felt as if I became myself again. Sure. Who would think the folks in Glasgow would think me saying this, <laughs> my lord, no, my lord. You know, so... I would like to take you into my room, the dining room. Oh, I'd love that. As soon as you go through here, and again, it's the intricacy of the detail of work in this house. Because guests coming into the house, they come into the dining room for a meal, a glass of wine. If the door hinges are carved with grapes and grapevines. And even the, the door handle carved with the oak leaf and acorn, because that's the emblem of the Stuarts. And even the oak panelling in the dining room, when you look at the frieze beautifully carved above the panelling, you'll see there's birds foraging for food because they're in the dining room having their meal. I love that. I Everything love has a reason. Now, oh my goodness, I think you can tell this is a dining room. This, <laughs> this, I mean, if you yes. were being invited to dinner at the house. This was quite a special occasion for people, wasn't it? Yes, this is the main dining room that would be used when there was guests in the house. We look at the house and it's filled with traditional pieces and that kind of grand art that you would expect. But actually they brought quite a lot of modern touches, didn't they, um, into the house as it, as it was developing. Did I learn right that this is one of the first houses that had electricity even? This is the first house in the country that was built, planned in 1877, started building it in 1880. It took just over 20 years to build. And when it was built, it was built with electricity in it, with central heating in it, under floor heating here, 
telephone lines, en-suite bathrooms, and an indoor heated swimming pool. The third mark which we built this, it was way ahead of his time. Way ahead. So what room are you taking us into now? I'm going now? to take you now into which was the ladies' drawing room. This was Gwendolyn's drawing room. Wow! Now, after a meal, the guests would make their way in here, and the ladies would retire here for the evening, but the men would have made their way through. There's a door here to my left, and the men would make their way through there because that was originally the smoke room. Okay. And that's where the men would go for the brandy and cigars and put the world to right. Now, they've not made a very good job yet so far, I don't think. <laughs> now, the one I am really excited about visiting is the Marble Chapel. Oh, And I would love yes. us oh, to take a wee walk there. You can't come to Mount Stewart without visiting the Marble Chapel. The third mark was converted to Catholicism when he turned 21. And it was his ultimate dream when he built this house to build himself a chapel. My eyes are drawn immediately to up to this, what kind of red, turreted um, ceiling. It's spectacular. Well, do you know, the sad thing is that they didn't start building this chapel till 1896. It was the last of the buildings to be built. And sadly, the third Marquis died in 1900 at the age of 53, and he never lived to see his chapel built. When he died, his son put it in the market and tried to sell it wow. because it wasn't to his taste. Now, that would have been sacrilege if that had Devastating. happened. Devastating. So the sixth Marquis, knowing this had happened in the past, when he was diagnosed with cancer, and then he realised he wasn't going to survive. He was, again, very afraid that maybe that would happen again in the future. So he, before he died, set this house up as the private trust, the Mount Stewart Trust, so that on his death, the building, the house, went over to the trust, the charitable trust. But everything in the house is on loan to the trust, but it means the family no longer own the building, so they can never sell it. Margaret, we've just arrived back in the Marble Hall, and again, I'm back looking up at the ceiling. Tell us a little bit about that. The third Marcus's passions were astrology, astronomy, theology, Greek mythology, and he loved the arts and crafts movement and he's very cleverly combined them all together in this house. And up there, designed by a man called Horatio Walter Lonsdale, the ceiling depicts the night sky. And up there, you've got the 49 constellations of the Northern Hemisphere. In gold, we've got characters from Greek mythology, and all the stars are glass crystals backed with silver. Margaret, I can tell why people just come back and return to this stunning place year after year. I know I'll be back. Oh, you have to come back. Have to. (laughs) 
I mean, the tour was absolutely fascinating. And what an amazing story Margaret had. Uh, Janice, you said you've been to oh, yes. Demonstrate House many times. I mean, what was the first the first time you went? What impression did you have? Well, do you know what? I remember, and it's slightly poignant, but in a lovely way, because I took my mum and dad, who are no longer with us, ah. but I remember taking them, and they had never been, because, again, we'd been restricted to pretty much, you know, just, you wouldn't have a car. We didn't have a car on the island in the old days. So to take them to Mount Stewart House and those extraordinary gardens as well was yes. a really, really lovely thing. They were absolutely blown away by it. And what would be your highlight? You know, for those who may be going for the first time, what do you want to make sure they don't miss? Um, well, I'll tell you something. There's a great tea room. They do excellent cakes Good and coffee, know. all of that, which is, let's face it, is very important on a day out. Um, but also, I think what's really interesting, and I believe it's still there, Sophie Crichton-Stewart of Mount Stewart runs an amazing bunch of visual art exhibitions, including all sorts of really avant-garde stuff. And I believe that it's still there. I went to see a particular um, thing that they did with the chapel in which, and this is really disconcerting, you walk into the chapel and it's all mirrored. The floor is mirrored. You can imagine that. Your stomach wow. lurches like, where am I going? I'm stepping into the void. And I believe, I think I've been told that that, uh, that installation is still there. So you have to put on lovely kind of slippery things to make sure that you don't slide and, or damage the glass. I think think that is still there. I mean, it is It is so unique. And the thing I think I would say is just to look up. Oh, yes, absolutely. You have to look up. I loved your tour guide, Margaret. She was great. All the tour guides have been great. And that's why I remember doing that tour way, way back with my mum and dad. And they could not have been more knowledgeable and more friendly. Well, to plan your visit and really make the most of a trip to this historic house, head to mountstuart.com. Or simply visit calmac.co.uk. Every Scottish island in your bucket list. Every sunrise. Every waterfall. Every bird song. Every seashell. Every stroll along the edge of the world. Every new friend you make. Every dance. Every dram. Every downpour. Every crackling campfire, every sparkling night sky, every feast under harbour lights, and every photo under that red Calmac funnel. Every moment, every memory, every journey starts a story. And you can start yours at calmac.co.uk. We're teaming up with Beatson Cancer Charity an incredible organisation making a significant impact across the west of Scotland. Their vital work depends on the generosity of people like you. Beatson Cancer Charity provides a wide range of essential services to cancer patients and their families. From complementary therapies to specialised health and work support, they offer a lifeline during some of life's toughest moments. If you want to get involved, head over to BeatsonCancerCharity.org forward slash donate. Your help means the world to those who need it most. The Isle of Harris Distillery is the social distillery, proudly built in the heart of their island community to create sustainable employment for local men and women. With a peat fire burning year-round, a warm Outer Hebridean welcome is always assured. And a dram of the award-winning Isle of Harris gin and elemental single malt whiskey the Heroch awaits. Two spirits, one purpose. 
To learn more about the distillery's story or to order a bottle or two, visit harrisdistillery.com. Slanjava. Now, Janice, Mount Stewart is a superb example of a building that's been expertly preserved and maintained, but it's not the only historic building on Butte. The Rothsey Pavilion, I mean, it's a stunning entertainment venue built in 1938. Yep. Now, you've been at the heart of the restoration project plans. So tell me a little bit about it. Oh, it's amazing. Well, it's been closed for many years, uh, but fingers crossed, maybe early 2025, 26, something like that, it will reopen again because it is an extraordinary building. And it has to be said, on the island of Butte, we know how heavily hit uh, islands have been by the economic recession, by COVID and all of that. But coming out of this, I feel as if it's like a phoenix rising from the ashes. Um, the building, built in 1938 by a guy called James Carrick, and uh, it's it's a modernist masterpiece, to be perfectly honest. It's a stunning building, and the views from it are absolutely exquisite. So, fingers crossed, it will be opening in two or three years. Um, the views are amazing, but also it's all part of the economic regeneration of Butte, which is so important. So, I've been the chair of the charity for a few years, and we, th- I think we're, I think we're going to get there. We're going to get it reopened. Wouldn't that be amazing? Yes. I mean, why would this be? So important to the island. Well, I think the fact that it's been closed for so long and, and so many people, this is it. We've done quite a lot of outreach um, activities with people and genuinely we felt the love that people have for that building. They want it to be back open. So I think we're on the home street for that. But it will be, as I say, what we really want to do is come into the you know the 21st century, make it a digital hub. We have all sorts of extraordinary plans for this building and to create jobs, particularly for a new generation on Butte, digital jobs all sorts of stuff. We've got so many plans I can't tell you about at the moment, but it's going to be so exciting. <laughs> and uh, culture and events is a big part of the island. There's a lot going on. There on is Rothsay. a lot going on. There is a lot going on. There's also Butte Yard, which is amazing. I was there for the first time again fairly recently. Basically, some pals and I, some old pals from school and I went on a, a little Airbnb jaunt uh, to Butte very recently. So I got up to speed with what is happening right now. And there's so much. We also went to, in fact, I'm wearing my Bonnie Bling earrings today. There's a brilliant Bonnie Bling, which is a uh, a brilliant woman called Vary who runs the, the earrings, earring emporium, uh, as well as a great coffee shop there. And can I tell you something else? Oh. Chris Pine, Chris Pine turned yes. up with some other people. They're just in a walking tour of Butte. Turned up, she got a photograph taken with him. <laughs> Couldn't believe it. I think it's because he'd been in a film directed by David Mackenzie, who's Scottish, and they got the bug and they thought, right, we're going to go over to Butte. <laughs> well, across the length and breadth of Scotland and across the world, Highland Games are a huge part of the summer months and continue to draw record crowds of locals and tourists alike. And the Butte Highland Games is no exception. I went along to this year's event and chatted to Stuart Shaw, former chairman of the Games and currently deputy lieutenant of Argyle and Butte, to find out what makes the Butte Highland Games quite so special. I'm here with Stuart Shaw, past chairman of Butte Highland Games. Stuart, 
what a view we've got here. Absolutely, Kanye. We're looking right across the whole arena and there will be the heavies. They're and getting the, ready, aren't they? They are getting ready. You can see them over at the tent there just getting ready. And of course, they'll be tossing the caber. That is the highlight and the, the finishing event of the heavies. To give them an idea, um, they'll all have seen the old telegraph poles. Well, that's <laughs> what it's like. It's like taking a telegraph pole and they've got to then lift it by one end balance it over their shoulder, they have got to get that steady and they take a run to the mark where they have to, to, to throw it from and then they toss it with the view of actually getting the pole to do a 180 degree turn. So the pole lands and it falls over. Now, the, the way they judge it is in the same way as a clock face. The best tossing of the caber is if you can get it to, to land at 12 o'clock. What's the history of the Highland Games? Well, the history of the Highland Games dates back, they think, to the 11th century, um, when Mark King Malcolm III called for a foot race to the summit of Craig Cognac near Bremar, uh-huh. uh, in the hopes of finding the fastest runner in the land to become his personal courier. And as a result of that, each year we appoint um, a chieftain. And this year it's Gary Innes, uh, famous broadcaster and shinty player. He is the figurehead of the, the, the Highland Games, representing the king for the day. So that was a big part behind it. It was the, the clan chiefs maybe looking for the, the strongest man or the, the healthiest man to become part of maybe the house or... Absolutely, you know, to be the, the, their strong person to represent them. Uh, and then, of course, it would go from competition between clans and all the rest of it and develop through the, the, the years uh, to what it is today a modern Highland Games. Well Stuart, I'm ready to enjoy the games, but you're for a wee drum later. Absolutely, see you in the patron's tent. (laughs) (laughs) We're walking around the athletics field and there's just so much going on. Over to my left we've got the Highland dancers and they're so colourful in all all their outfits from three years old up to 16. Then over to my other side, we've got the pipers getting ready for the pipe band competitions. I'm just here with Greg and Heather, two of today's competitors at the wrestling. Heather, is this your first time here? Uh, No, I have been coming to Butte Highland Games every year since I was probably born. We go to quite a lot of Highland Games throughout the summer, so um, Butte is a regular visiting spot for us every year and how, how did you get into the wrestling so Scottish backhoe wrestling is pretty much a family affair for me um, my dad wrestled back in the 80s and 90s um, my brother Greg who's right here also has been wrestling as well um, so I've been wrestling on and off since about the age of four uh, I'm now in my 20s so I've been around here for quite a while <laughs> and Greg tell us a little bit about the sport then so basically you shake hands with your opponent and you then clasp your hands around the back and then anything by the soles of your feet that touch the floor is a point to your opponent and it's best of five. Also, an amazing thing about wrestling is that females can enter into the male categories. So it's very kind of progressive in that sense. So um, I might be taking my chances and entering some of the male categories today, give them a bit of a run for their money. Well, I can't wait to see you compete and good luck for the games today. Thank you so much, thanks. So I'm here with Brogan, Willow and Isla. 
You're competing at the Highland Dancing today? Yeah. Willow, how long have you been dancing for? Since I was two and a half, so okay. about 13 years. That is impressive. And are you from uh, Butte? I'm from downside Aberdeen, so we're both from Scotland, but she's actually from... I'm from Canada, Canada Ontario. So. Okay, and yeah. have you come over for, for the games? Yeah, I've come over for Cowell mainly, uh, the World Championship of Highland Dancing. Tell me why you got into Highland Dancing, being over in Canada. My my mum was a Highland dancer, so um, I saw her Highland Dancing and I want to do it. Good luck. I Thank think you. I'm going to stand and watch, so good luck to you all. Thank you. Now, I'm here with Gary Innes. Gary, I'm usually hearing you on Radio Scotland or performing with Man Run, but you've got a different role today. Today, I am the chieftain of the Putin race, yes. <laughs> I'm the, the chieftain of the Butte Highland Games and delighted to be here. It's a, it's a gorgeous location and they've even given me a cromach. I mean, look at this. I love the cromach. So tell me what a cromach is for those who don't know. It's an upside-down shinty stick. So basically, <laughs> it's a, a lovely bit of, a, I think it's probably ash wood. Well, a crook, a crook at the end of it, yes, Old Shepherd's Crook, and they've got even a nice wee bit of of silver there explaining who I am as well, just in case I forget in later (laughs) years, so so So, chuffed to bits, yes. What's your responsibilities today? We saw you at the opening there. Yeah, so I had to raise the flag, this was not mentioned in any briefing notes, (laughs) so there was a definite air of, uh, well, (laughs) worry at the start of asking me to raise the flag in case anything went wrong, but anyway, it went without a hitch, thankfully, and... They've since taken me for lunch and my duties now are to ground the field, have a wee blether for the next hour and then we start giving the prize winners their winning trophies. If you did need to compete in one of the heavy events, which one would be yours today? Here's a wee interesting fact you probably don't know. So my little brother was Scotland's strongest man for four years in a row. I didn't know that. Yeah, he is oh, 26 stone and uh, an absolute beast of a man. And myself, my brother, look completely different. I've got a younger brother as well, and he's built like myself, which, of course, your listeners can't see, but I'm six foot four and, you know, th- thir- 13 and a half stone. <laughs> Thanks very much. And when my mum was pregnant, I always talk about this and say, you know, what's it, why is he so big and, and you and your younger brother are so small? And for my mum, when she went for her first scan, she was told that she was having twins. And so my mum and dad thought they were having twins for weeks and weeks and weeks. And then, of course, it transpired. It was just my brother Goose. Big, yeah. Big fella, so, so we think he ate the other one. I think <laughs> it's the only thing to explain the sheer size of him. So if he was here today, I would, I would match him up for pretty much most of these events. But myself, I'm not sure I'd managed to lift most of it. But to answer your question, I'm going to go with... Just get the cable off the ground would be an achievement, yeah, I reckon. I I'll go I, with that. I kind of feel the same way, so yeah. let's see if we can we'll, end we'll, that together. Well, we go and get a shot let's, and see how we get let's on. Let's go and get that. Maybe that's going to drum on the way. Absolutely. We'll, we'll start with the cromac to see how we get on. <laughs> get us warmed up. The Highland dancers are being told to get out of the way because the 800 metres is just about to start. But I can see that the wrestling is going on. So I'm going to head round there to see who's going to win. Heather, how did you get on? Um, I've had quite a good day. I came fourth in the male 11 stone 7 Scottish Championship and I came first in the female 11 stone 7 Scottish Congratulations. Championship. Congratulations. Thank you very Amazing. much. Thank you, thank you. And no injuries? No, I'm I'm all right. I'm okay. All my limbs still attached. <laughs> Everything's good. How's your brother getting on? Uh, he's doing well, so we're about to do the final. Here um, he is. He's in the final and he comes. He is against a wrestler called Ryan. Um, 
Him and Ryan are very evenly matched. We'll see. Um, Greg's wrestling in a kilt and Ryan's wrestling in shorts. So. And is there any advantage or disadvantage to the kilt, do you think? No, well, Greg's wrestled in a kilt all his life, so it's not something that he's unfamiliar with. Ryan prefers just to have shorts, so so that's the first fall happened, and that the judges haven't given their scores yet, but I can confirm that that was definitely Greg's. Just because I got that one? Yes. Yep. Yep. There we go. Oh, yep. I got it. You got it. <laughs> Ryan's knee hit the floor. There we go. Yes. Amazing. 3-0, Greg. <laughs> so, Fantastic. brother and sister champions today. Yes. Congratulations. Thank you very much. Thank you. <laughs> it's in our blood, I guess. <laughs> I've got, we'll have one proud dad, I'll tell you that. And the winner from here with a throw of 2172, Rachel Hunter. Oh, the sound of the pipe band really is so evocative. Yeah. But Janice, I am in rarefied company here because <laughs> you were the chieftain of the Butte Highland Games in 2022. Yes. What, what was that like? It was absolutely remarkable. Do you know what? In the morning, it had been raining back in Glasgow and we thought I mean, the forecast was generally going to be rain and, rainy and dull. The skies opened, not with rain though, but with sunbeams. Wow. It was We were so blessed that day. We couldn't believe it. it. We could not have had better weather. And I've got a great photograph of me with my cromach. Uh, so I've got my fabulous uh, cromach with my name on it. And I, I, I mean, I was thrilled to bits. And just seeing the Highland dancing, seeing the wrestling, all of that stuff was just wonderful. And I had to do some judging. Bloomin' loved it. I mean, <laughs> I saw a photo of you looked resplendent in your tartan throughs yes. uh, but it really is for for anybody who hasn't been to a Highland Games to visit there's you know there's so much going on you're looking to your left and you're seeing somebody yeah. tossing the cable <laughs> and Highland dancers and you know there's some foodie treats I mean it's a, it's, it's a bucket list kind of thing for yeah, people to do it's the perfect day out and you, one can totally understand why for example Americans would just be like what is this real this isn't Disneyland oh my goodness no it really is great and it's just as you say it, it really is one of those things that's genuinely for all the family from the wee ones right up to the, to the oldest members of the family well for more information about the games including past winners and programme schedules visit ButteHighlandGames.org or simply visit calmac.co.uk. Janice, visiting an island is not just about the culture and, and visiting beautiful houses. Food always plays a big part of course uh, in it. it. Does. H- have you got somewhere that you enjoy visiting when you get to the island? My guilty secret. No, it's not my guilty secret. <laughs> but I absolutely love, and I think everybody in the island loves it, the Ettrick Bay Tea Room. So it's, a, again, you know, it's it does what it says in the tin. It's at Ettrick Bay, so it's on the sands, and it has the best food, the loveliest staff. Absolutely, that is an appointment you cannot miss to go to the Etrick Bay Tea Room. Great cakes, absolutely splendid cakes and all sorts of other stuff they do too. Over the years, it's changed so much. Now you can go and have a curry and things as well. <laughs> you know what I mean? But the, the, the food scene definitely seems to be changing oh, yeah. and, 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 and modernising, I guess, as well on the island. Yes, indeed. Again, I'm glad I was there recently because I had my first chance to experience Butte Yard, uh, which is absolutely terrific. Um, we sat outdoors. You can sit indoors as well. I was there when they were doing um, home, oh, you'd love this, Hebridean Baker. Um, they were doing uh, bread making classes as well. Uh, so there really is a lot going on there, embracing, well, I suppose it's right across Scotland now, isn't it? That sort of embracing of our, our culture and our, and our own food. 
Well, with markets, cooking masterclasses and stalls full of local produce all under one roof, I think it's fair to say that Butte Yard is the ultimate foodie's paradise. You can eat and drink your way throughout Butte's culinary landscape with only so much as a walk between their contemporary indoor and outdoor spaces. I caught up with General Manager Kay Robertson to hear a bit more about what the venue has to offer visitors. I've just walked down the high street from the Highland Games and I've arrived at Butte Yard and I'm off to catch up with Kay. So Kay, I've just walked off the high street and arrived at this modern, beautiful modern building in the middle of historical Rotsay. But tell me, what is Butte Yard? Butte Yard is basically a contemporary events venue, but also a market space. We do monthly markets here and then... At the same time, we support local businesses um, who are permanently uh, based here. For example, the Olive Butte Distillery, Butte Brew Company, um, the Olive Butte Smokehouse. We've only been open for two and a half months, so it's still fresh, but already popular. Do you want to come and have a look? Oh, I'd love to. Um, we also have pop-up restaurants. Currently, we've got a 70 square meter kitchen that I'll show you just now that people can rent out as a catering company to support an event, but also to host these pop-up restaurants. And we're inviting chefs from all all around to show their talents off, um, as well as the locals. Well, I'd love to have a look in the kitchen and see what's happening today. Let's go have a look. taken us into the kitchen and there's already a lot going on. <laughs> it is. Uh, we've got a local uh, youth space restaurant in here today and they're going to be putting on nachos and all sorts of yummy goodies for the crowds today. It's almost early in the afternoon. It's already pretty busy in here. I mean, the evenings, I'm sure, they're great fun in here. It is. It buzzes and there's a lot of activity. As you can see, the community really love the space. But as, as I said, the visitors as well. So we get a nice mix of people. Well, I can see the revolution. So we bit of a queue at the bar, but I'm really intrigued to see uh, what the brewery have today. Can we have a yes, are we absolutely. over and see what, um, what they've got behind the bar today? Let's go and have a look through here. I'll introduce you to Imogen. She is a local brewer and distiller Imogen, on site. Great to meet you. How are you? I'm good. How are you? So you're behind... Probably the coolest bar I've seen. Tell us a wee bit about the brewery then. The brewery's newer here, so we had the distillery previously and we've just started up. There was Butte Brew previously and Simon was the head brewer alongside Aiden. Um, so we're bringing it back. We've got a few new beers that we've started. At the moment, we've just got a lager, a hazy IPA. We're brewing a sessionable pale ale at the moment and we also have specialty brews that we do. Um, so, so tell us a bit about the special ones. So the specialty brews, we kind of bring out two or three kegs of them at a time. We've had a raspberry lager and we've got a banana lager on at the moment, if you guys would like to try oh, that. Oh my, banana, banana lager. Banana lager, yes. Okay, I think, I think that's a must. Can I have a wee try of, of that? Of course you can, okay. I'll get you a try. Cheers. <laughs> it's quite subtle. Oh, that's good. Yeah. It's that not too good. in your face. I think a lot yeah. of people are put off by it and think it's going to be really intense. No, but that's really nice. Yeah. As you say, it's going to got that kind of pilsner kind of 
flavor to it, but just a little hint, hint of banana. banana More like the nice. fragrance, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, I think it's a good breakfast beer. A my... breakfast yes. beer. Okay, that's good to know. <laughs> yeah. That's good to know. Well, Imogen, great to meet you. Yeah, Slanja, and keep making these amazing beers. <laughs> well, okay, after that, we treat up banana lager. I need something to soak it up. Have you got any other recommendations? I do indeed. Let's go outside and discover what's in the basket. Amazing. <laughs> Well, oh my goodness, this yeah. is looking like a taste sensation. All of these uh, producers do come to the market, so you'll see them around every month. The thing I'm probably most excited about is the first thing I've seen, the Isle of Butte Oak Smoked Scottish Cheddar. That sounds the dream. That's from the Isle of Butte Smokehouse. Everything from ribeye steaks, but I have to say, I have got a sweet tooth. And <laughs> those these? you're eyeing those cupcakes. <laughs> I'm these cupcakes. They are Northern Lights Cakery. If you come to the market, you'll see such a wide range that you've never imagined on a cupcake. What are some of your favorites that you just are so proud of that they're part of the marketplace? I think we're spotting there the Isle of Butte coffee. Yes. It's a really fantastic coffee taste. A lot of creative people on Butte. Well, I think you can probably just leave me here with all these treats and I'm going to have the best afternoon. Maybe another pint of that banana lager and it's going <laughs> to be the best, the best afternoon ever. What a treat. Lovely and thank you so much for coming to visit us and enjoy Butte. Honestly, I've never tasted anything like that banana lager before. <laughs> um, I mean, as you said, you visited a beauty yard a couple of times, Janice. Any yeah. treats or, or drinks that you enjoyed when you were there? I have to say, can I mention the gin? I mean, I'm not, a, yes. I used to be a big gin drinker. Okay. Uh, not done it so much now, but there were so many different kinds of gin, absolutely botanical variations that I'd never heard of before. Absolutely superb. You're totally right. I think uh, the Scottish islands are the, the creativity that was always there with us. I think it's just flourishing now. It's it is. It is. There's a real confidence about it, isn't there? Well, to have a look at what's on at Butte Yard and to book one of their venues for hire, go to butteyard.com or simply visit calmac.co.uk. Now, Janice, if you were advising travellers just one last thing that they simply must do when they're visiting Butte, what would that be? Do you know what it is? I'm going to go all spiritual on you. <laughs> there is a one really special place. Uh, it's called St. Blaine. So there's a chapel, uh, remnants, remains of the chapel. I think we're going way back to the 11th century or something like that. And it's, it's a lovely walk over to it. And I have to tell you, it's the strangest thing. And I've discussed this with other people and they have experienced it too. You just get a sense. I don't know if it's just a sense of the history, but there's a real spiritual vibe comes over you. You just kind of feel lost in this atmosphere. There were monks there. There was a monastery. There's a chapel. St. Blaine himself was there. St. Blaine's a person. I've never experienced anything like it. I don't know how to describe it. Spiritual, Wonderful. I suppose. Yeah. An incredible atmosphere of history. You feel as if you're connecting to those people who were there all those years ago. Amazing. I love it. Uh, 
Let's visit the next time we go together. Let's do that. <laughs> Janice, what a treat. I feel like even though we're we're in the studio, we've been kind of walking <laughs> round, you know, Rothsay yeah. together uh, today. Thank you so much for joining us. Not at all. And I look forward to giving you an actual physical tour sometime soon. Well, that's all from this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Please subscribe, like, rate, review and share with your friends. For show notes and more information on this and all my other island destinations, plus full details on Caledonian McBrain's routes, timetables, prices and bookings, go to calmac.co.uk. Every journey starts a story, so book your Calmac Island Adventure now. From the Big Light Studio.